0: Welcome to episode 168 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. So I've been working on this writing project of mine. Well, it's a theatre project, but, you know, I'm in the process of writing it right now, so we'll call it a writing project. And I've been working on this, this project for about three and a half years now, on and off. And... It's, it's kind of been breaking my butt. There have been periods of time when I concentrated on writing this and actually wrote nothing else. But I've been sort of stuck in a holding pattern uh, on this project right now. It's, a, it's sort of a Christmas story. I may have mentioned it once or twice before. It's you know something I'm going to be actually performing uh, next December because I, I, I booked a theater for it. So it's something that I've been working on. And there's been this long period of time where I was really stuck on it. Stuck on an ending, stuck on how to, where to take it. And I've recently sort of started to come to terms with that and found a direction for it. There's still sections of it that I'm... I don't want to say blocked because that makes it sound like it's, it's something other than myself that's preventing me from finishing it. There's something... In me that's preventing me from from getting uh, through to a certain a certain point and and finding a resolution to a, a storyline and it's a really like it's a really significant and probably the most important storyline in the whole thing that I'm still trying to find an answer to and so it it came to me just over the last few days as I was uh, sick uh, at home and, and sort of uh, confined to my apartment that. The trick to getting through a writing problem is boredom um we we and we're really bad at boredom these days. It's really hard thing for us for us to 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 do is be bored there's so many things there's video games there's our phones there's this that and the other thing and boredom is actually where our brain starts to do its own thing and actually be a creative monster because it's when, that's when we need our brain to take us away. And so that's when it starts doing its imagination thing. And so once I had exhausted my interest in in video games and Netflix and and doodling on my phone, I put them all down and I sort of just realized that I was bored and I finally let it happen. And so many things started to, to come to me uh that were solutions to the, the 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 block the problem and so uh one thing i would say to you if you're listening to this and you're a writer and you're stuck on a problem whether it, you know, whether you're a theater writer whatever if you're stuck put down your phone even turn off the music and just let yourself be bored for a while And it's really hard to do because I, let me tell you, my fingers were itching to pick up the phone, but when I didn't, and I did a few times, and let's not say that I'm perfect. There were a bunch of times when I, I couldn't resist the lure of my phone and I picked it up and I did, you know, Facebook, Twitter, the Instagram, the whole nine yards. But when I didn't, that's when my brain was freed to start creating again. Have you had a breakthrough like that? Um, if you have, I would really love to hear about it. And, and remember, you can always find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at StagerilyPod. Really and you can find the website at com. And if you want to drop me a line to tell me about your writing project, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Rickaby. And my website is philrickaby.com. My guests this week on Stageworthy really are the company of Leroy Street Theatre's production of Rajiv Joseph's Gruesome Playground Injuries. Gruesome Playground Injuries is on now at the Assembly Theatre in Toronto until February 9th. So, um, yeah, and you said you guys have been rehearsing here for about two months?
1: Yeah, we said yesterday, I think, was our two-month anniversary since the first uh, reading.
2: Today is. Oh, to, today. Today, today. today, okay. today is exactly our two-month. Yeah.
3: Wow, okay.
1: And then we've been <coughs> here in, in my basement for the last two months, mm-hmm. and starting on next Monday, we'll be actually moving into the theater space. And that's the uh, assembly theater? Yeah. 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 And uh, how long do you have in the in the theater uh, well we open January eighteenth, so yeah. basically next week. <laughs> because, a week is
0: still a good a good yeah. length of time in a in the theater. I've done a lot of shows where the day before you're moving in and, yeah. and, and, and rushing through, so so that's yeah, pretty good. We
2: have a week of rehearsal and then we'll have a week of tech.
0: Oh
1: nice. So nice. we
2: we'll we will when we open we'll have been in there for almost two weeks. So nice. that's nice. Nice.
1: Yeah, so we're we're lucky because uh, Leroy Street Theater is the resident company of the Assembly Theater, so we do get a few <clears throat> privileges uh, of of being that, and nice. one of those is kind of a bit of, of extra access in certain times, nice. which is nice because our history is is uh, being a nomadic company, um, so <laughs> where we're used, we're so we are used yeah. to the like day before kind of thing, yeah. load in, build, and then all of a sudden, one or two rehearsals and go. Yeah, yeah. but
0: it, I mean, the the Assembly is a is a. Wonderfully versatile uh, space. I've seen lots of different like setups in there. So, um, uh, have you guys played much with the configuration or or, or the set in there? What is your uh,
1: in terms of like set builds? We've done some pretty like wildly different things in there. Mm-hmm. We have kept. I mean, it's a traditional black box theater. <gasps> Uh, with the seating fairly static on to one side. Um, so we haven't, I don't know that we've done like an in the round or anything like that in terms of, you know, layouts, but we've gone from everything from just kind of doing very simple black box to full kind of realistic apartments. And that's actually the last place mm. that we did as a company was to George F Walker plays, in these kind of low-rent apartment buildings, and it was a double bill. So mm. there was actually a full changeover of the set every mm. night um, from one apartment to the other. So moving furniture, changing out curtains, and all these other things to turn it into a completely different yeah. uh, apartment. Oh. Wow. So what, if,
0: if I get everybody to say their name and, and what they're doing on, on the production, just so that people who are listening have a, a bit of a, yeah. a sense of whose voice is whose, and we'll start right here.
3: Uh, my name is Anurag Choudhury, and uh, I'm playing Doug. Okay.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my name is Chin Polyponner, and I'm the stage manager and lighting designer for this production.
1: Uh, my name is Chris Bredisher, um, and I'm the director and also the set designer for this.
2: My name is Alice Lundy, and I will be playing Kayleen.
1: Okay. And the play is Gruesome Playground In-
0: uh, Injuries? Yeah, by Rajiv Joseph. So, what? tell me about
1: that play what is what is gruesome playground injuries about um yeah so gruesome playground injuries is a two-hander with uh Anna and alice doug and kayleen are the characters um and it it follows their lives starting at age eight mm-hmm. but it's a non-linear play that uh jumps through time back and forth all the way to the ages of 38 mm-hmm. um And, you know, like the name of the play, um, these scenes are kind of highlighted through some gruesome injuries that the character of Doug has at the beginning of each scene. Um, what really drew us to the, the play was, um, a couple of things, uh, and one of them being that kind of time jump and, and the, the, I mean, it's just a wonderful play, Mm -hmm. but it's also a play that, uh. Uh, really the stage direction leans into uh, the exposing of the scene transitions and the character costume changes and the set changes and so uh, between each scene those will actually be lit and rehearsed and and on the stage for the whole audience to see It will become a very much a part of the play and a part of the world that we're building for this uh, piece Nice, nice. Um, <coughs> So what is it, what, what drew you to this play? I'll let Alice take
2: that one. So Chris and I had been wanting to work on something and, and we were looking at two handers just because the last couple projects that our company has worked on were pretty big casts. Mm-hmm. And we wanted a smaller, more intimate group of people mm-hmm. to work with. Um, and then Michael Ross Albert shared the script with me and what There were several things that I thought were really interesting about it on my first read. Um, First of all, when uh, you hear that it's a two-hander with a female body and a male body, Mm -hmm. there are certain assumptions about the story that's going to be told, Mm -hmm. that it's going to be this traditional love story. And I think Mm -hmm. something about this script that's really wonderful is that at times it plays into those tropes and cliches of two star-crossed lovers um, not being able to find their way through the world. Mm-hmm. But at other times it kind of just slaps you in the face and says, that's not the story we're telling. Mm-hmm. This relationship is totally different. So it, it it's it's surprising in the relationship, but I also thought that the relationship between Doug and Kayleen was um, more realistic and mm. more honest in that way because it wasn't just a simple love story. And it, I, I, I would be hesitant to say, and I think as a group, we've mm-hmm. been hesitant to even call it a love story. Mm. It's really an in-depth examination of friendship and, mm. um, and the kind of love that comes with friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really special. Uh, and then something else that we've been talking about, we've been really lucky to partner with a community service group um, called Loft, uh, which our artistic director, and Van Leeuwen, set up for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what Loft does is they work with... Um, Well, we're working specifically with the youth group. Um, And so they work with youth who uh, deal with addiction issues, Mm -hmm. mental health issues, housing issues. And kind of why we partnered with them in in this show is like a lot of those things are touched upon in this show. There's Mm -hmm. mental health is touched upon, um, self-harm, addiction, uh, substance abuse. Mm -hmm. All those things are touched on but it's not the focus, Mm. which I think is rare in theater. A lot of the times when you're dealing with a show that has to do with mental health, that's at the forefront of the story. Mm. But really what struck me with this story is that, um, and I'll speak specifically about Kayleen, uh, is that I saw Kayleen as a full person and then you learn about her mental illness. Mm-hmm. So she's not defined by it, which I find really exciting mm-hmm. as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's She feels like a very full character who has mm-hmm. secrets and depths and a history, mm-hmm. but she doesn't let those things define who she is. They affect who she mm-hmm. is, and they do affect our Doug and Kayleen's relationship. But... Um, that's not the only thing you see from her.
0: Well, you, you've talked a little bit about Kayleen, so um, let's let's talk a little bit more specifically. Mm-hmm. Who who is Kayleen?
2: Sure. Um, Kayleen is kind of a rougher girl, I guess. She's shy, um, a little bit of an outcast. Doesn't have a lot of friends, uh, but. She makes very close friends with Doug. Mm -hmm. The relationships that she does have are meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, She had a bit of a troubled childhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her mom left when they were 11. Her dad's a bit of a rough, not very nice person. Um, And so Doug and his family become very important to her because they embrace her and they're really a stable family that she can rely Mm -hmm. on. So she spends a lot of time running away, mm. um, running away from her problems. She doesn't like to talk about her problems. She doesn't like to talk about her feelings. And Doug kind of brings her back,
3: mm.
2: which um, is what's really special about him uh, to her.
3: Why don't we talk about, uh, talk about Doug for a second? Who, who is Doug in, in this show? um starts off as an evil Knievel fanatic um, um and that kind of goes into a um a just a fascination as to really what the body can endure mm. specifically his own body mm. um, and that leads him to also being a bit of an outcast mm. as well um however he's able to you know still kind of Play out certain social situations as a, as a boy, then going into it, going into a teenager, as a man, mm. going to college. It's kind of like that social script is still there for mm. him. Maybe because of like a slightly better upbringing compared to Kayleen. Um, yet he still has that one that one fascination with how much my body can take mm. in terms of uh, the durability. Of it that always makes him a bit more of an outcast, mm. which is what has brought him to Kayleen. Mm. Um And well, really, then it's just about how their their relationship, which I've kind of labelled as a bit of a prop, as a bit of a prophecy mm. at times, is like something that's just a kind of written mm. in the stars, but not. As we've touched upon, not in that stylized, romanticized way, mm-hmm. but more so in just, there are these people, whether they like it or not, they kind of need to be in, within close proximity mm-hmm. of one another. However, that is still detrimental to their well-being, so it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It's just like real life, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned
0: the the does the character actually is it is
3: it evil Canevil? So, or so is there a is no yeah. not okay. there is a reference there. Okay, okay. Uh, I like the thing that you know uh, I'm able to channel my mm-hmm. uh, inner evil Um <laughs> But um, yeah, it, it's it, it's like it's like so it comes from like stunts and like playing yeah. out of stunts and it's just, it's interesting because
0: um, it's not a name that you hear much no anymore. When I was a kid, yeah, which is gonna date me entirely, evil Knievel was like the thing, yeah. <laughs> like my like, people had like evil Knievel like toys, and you would like send your like, you wind it up and it would go, or you actually you know, had a pull cord, and you would yeah, send evil Knievel on his insane motorcycle over cliffs and all this stuff. It was already really like, cool, it was a thing, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Of course, you don't hear so much about there, we don't really have. I guess aside from Jackass, we don't have like no. like yeah. Daredevils, and we don't have a modern day equivalent. Yeah, and there's no no uh, Daredevils like that anymore. Is does that does the reference date the play at all? Um,
1: not entirely, from my knowledge. Uh, I think this was written ten well, years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, you know, I mean, Evil Evil is older than the nineties. Even yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The,
2: the reference is made at age eight, so mm-hmm. conceivably. If it was like, if you set a certain age, <laughs> yeah. it yes, would go time, back time. thirty years. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so yeah, and that and that reference is made in the first scene mm-hmm. when is it? when yeah. we first yeah. when Kayleen and, F- and Doug first meet in their school nurse's office, and Doug has ridden his bike off the roof of the school. Mm-hmm. So he like really takes his evil can love. Literally, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: and there's no rhyme or reason really behind it. It's just like <clears throat> I can do it, so why not? You know, there were many
0: children like <laughs> <of> this <laughs> of the evil kid, evil age who, who <laughs> made terrible, terrible choices <laughs> yeah. in similar in similar fashion. Probably not so many. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that probably not many drove their bike off a school roof, but you know what? I'm sure plenty did. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Um, so we talked about we talked about the two characters and sort of what what drew the company uh, to the play um, what's been the biggest challenge in in um, putting the play together in terms of direction or order?
1: Um, so I would say one of the big things is um, you know and, and even talking about the character of Doug and his love of evil can evil he never really loses too much of his like childhood kind of innocence and bravado. Um, but yet we still have to get there uh, in terms of letting the audience know that we've traveled five, 10, 15 years in time. Yeah, And because it's nonlinear, it's not, you know, always immediately obvious. We might have jumped back 10 years in the scene. Mm. And then the next scene we jump forward, or we jump forward 10 years and then back 15 is actually the kind of mathematical format that Rajiv Joseph, the playwright, did it in. But that's not, you know, that's that's his secret. Yeah. And if maybe if you read the script, you know that for a, for a definite. Mm. But then we have this challenge that at the opening of every scene, uh, Anareg and Alice both now as, as actors have to let our audience know within the first you know few lines really, like because we don't you know we don't want our to be challenging our audience to go wait is this uh, you know are they twenty are they eighteen mm. are they. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that we look at both in those scene transitions that will be exposed, how we uh, actually show the, the transitioning of time mm-hmm. and then in our language and in our acting. And, and that's been a really uh, big challenge day to day because, you know, in, in one day of rehearsing, we might cover all the ages. And then how do you stay focused in that one scene and, and forget everything else that's happened and really just be who that character is in that moment in time um, without, you know, letting too much of, of everything else affect you um, but uh, yeah it's been it's been a fun challenge to take on and, and you know talking all the way about costumes and sounds and uh, and how lighting affects that and mm. how their voice affects that and and their their physical body movements in the space affects that yeah um, it's been it's been really interesting discussions we're gonna have.
0: can we can we get a little bit like actually nerdy for a second yeah, I want to nice. talk about um, the, the the challenge of Adults playing children, <laughs> which I've seen done really well, and I've seen done really poorly. <laughs> where, if, I mean, the difficulty is that a lot of times when an adult plays a child, it, they don't come across as a child. They come across as an adult playing a an adult. Adult yeah. playing child. Um, so what, like, how how do you approach the acting challenge of playing a child without it looking like you are? I don't know, the difficulty is I've, I've seen people describe it as, mm-hmm. oh, they look like they are, like, uh, like somebody who's mentally deficient or something like that <laughs> right. Right. when the adult is playing the child. So how do you approach playing a child
2: in that way? Um, I, I, think, <clears throat> <laughs> I think it's been different for both of us because mm-hmm. our characters are very different, and, of course, children are very different, yeah. depending on their personality. So for me, it was a lot to do with, like, i behavior where i was looking when mm-hmm. um we talked a lot about the rhythm of speech um mm-hmm. and also thought patterns that the conversation that we're having maybe doesn't link up right away will answer certain questions like three lines later mm-hmm. that someone posed before so so i guess it's it's kind of like looking at those things mm-hmm. that are really tangible things of What is the rhythm that they speak in? How do they tell a story? Mm. Um, How do they link ideas together? Um, And less so, like, focusing on... uh, Like, if we look like children, I guess? More just, what can we do to say that we're that age? Um, Yeah, I think... and, And playing with... How, how children, yeah, they talk to each other mm. differently. Yeah. They, maybe they'll speed up for a second and slow down. Maybe they won't look at you for the whole time or they'll get really excited and be really intense with eye contact or, mm. you know, when do when are they physically closed? When are they physically open? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've been trying to focus on those really tangible things, mm. intonation, rhythm, yeah, stuff like that. Mm.
3: Which, in a weird way kind of takes it away from being a child. Yeah. That, that's the one thing, because you kind of have to block it. Mm-hmm. There's there's no problem with being sporadic. That's, that's, that's uh, you know, that we can do any day. But it's about finding that sporadic nature and still blocking it mm-hmm. and having it become a routine, uh, which we've been given via the script. The script's been very well written, mm-hmm. where we can trust it and we can trust the words to kind of take... Us as as adult actors to that point in our lives, mm-hmm. um, but yes, the the challenging part is actually making it then a piece of theatre, mm-hmm. um, and well, as Chris touched on, it is, a, it is it is a challenge that you know that we've thoroughly enjoyed, mm. um, and now it's up to up to you folks yeah. to <laughs> decide. <really. laughs> Uh, Chin, just to to, mm-hmm. to touch on
0: lighting for a second, like what's yes,
3: how like how how
0: I mean let's let's go let's go full nerd. Um, okay. How how are you indi- like what is the process of, of of lighting a show like this that is um, jumping back and forth in time?
4: Ooh, okay, cool. So <laughs> we get to play with like a couple of things. So you mm-hmm. could just traditionally like set this as. All right, they're in a hospital now. I'm going to light this like a hospital. They're in uh, an outdoor skating rink, so I'm going to light that like that. Mm. Um, but what's cooler is, or at least the way I like to design is attaching colors, and and this leans more into like gel specific things of like this specific hue of lavender. I'm going to make that so that each transition has elements of this comprised in it. Mm. That way we create, and Chris and I have discussed how we sort of separate these transitional zones, mm-hmm. even though they're on stage, we fully see these actors changing, setting up things, setting up the new scenes, but how can we make these different from our playing spaces mm-hmm. um, where we move through different things? Yeah. Uh, and then what I get to play with is how... Um, I choose my warms and cools and how I want those to shift over the course of a story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because we're still in the development part of this, or at least my part of my lighting design, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm still playing with uh, notions and theories. Um, Is it going to be the sort of thing where I have static warms that exist for the entirety of the show and I'm shifting out my cools and playing with intensities to Mm -hmm. be like, this is an outdoor skating rink. This is clearly like an overcast day in January. Or this is inside uh, a hospital and they've dimmed the lights because this person has gone undergone a, a tragic injury and they can't deal with light sensitivity. Um, and cool things like that. Mm. Uh, but for me, it's more separating those zones and trying to, like Chris said, we have to give a lot of information in the first couple lines of each scene. Particularly with how sporadically the play shifts through mm. time. We see them as 18-year-olds. We see them as... 23 year olds we see them as 38 year olds But that's never explicitly stated Mm -hmm. It's shown within the acting The moments they reference when you as an audience Member go wait a minute they're talking about That thing oh that thing that I saw Oh so this Mm. isn't Just A B C D this is more A E Mm. C X G (laughs) Um, Yeah Yeah and I guess it's fun for me to think of like How I can also mirror my choices of colors with the ages that they exist in while sort of keeping each scene unique to what it is mm. but providing an overall arcing metaphor that connects them through mm. so it's not just a collection of cool looks but there's a reason that this as an example like cool soft blue that exists when they're children and they're playing outside in a playground exists 20 years later when they're at an ice rink mm. uh, except it's more brighter but there's something like fall about it or or like dead uh, <laughs> in the thing of like leaves have fallen time yeah, yeah. has passed but you still get hints of that thing there mm. so how can I play with age and time in a color spectrum as well
0: and how are you how, like is this all in your head right now <laughs> how, do you, how, how do you work through this sort of stuff uh uh, yes and no The
4: majority of it is in my head And yes. in my mind As Particularly because I also am benefited By being the stage manager for mm-hmm. this So as I see the direction that Chris Is leading people in uh, Or certain choices we're making I'll be like oh That cool blue effect that I was thinking of Doesn't quite work here as well as I thought Maybe I'm going to shift that to be more of a slate blue mm-hmm. thing And so it's like constantly evolving uh, and sort of once we get, once I've done a bit more of my prep work, I'll have more solid ideas, but there's still an, a certain amount of play that I can have. Mm. And I can go into the space and be like, oh, I thought this would work this way, but based on certain costume choices that our wonderful costume designer Lindsay has made, or certain set colors that Chris has made, I'm like, oh, this is popping in not quite the way I want, so I'm going to shift this, and then my metaphor then shifts accordingly as mm. well.
0: Mm. So there's a lot of a lot of flexibility that you'll have to have once yes. you're putting it
4: together in the space. Yes, but that's also like kind of the fun of it being mm. like, oh, I thought this would work this way, and it kind of does. But I'm hoping more for this, and Chris will be like, well, why don't we do this? And yeah. I'm like, no, no, don't be so. I'm going <laughs> to paint this entirely. But what if we did this? And be like, ah, oh. and I get to have that fun sort of play with Chris, and then the actors making sure, like you know, that they can see what they're trying to do, or that this works for what we're trying to achieve.
0: I want to say that it's, it's actually a really rare thing to be able to see an indie theater company that has somebody who's like a lighting person, because usually you're indie, you're like, uh, uh, lights up, <laughs> like that. uh maybe some color, like a <laughs> color, you know? And so it's, it's, and I've had the opportunity to work with a, a couple of, uh, of like lighting designers in, in a couple of projects and it's night and day. Mm-hmm. Between like just being able to like throw some light on a thing and have somebody who's like th- able to think about this sort of thing.
4: Yes, or like make those it's like having a designer for something. Yeah right? like yes, we can all put costumes together and sure it'll look great. But if you have someone who's like, no, there's mm-hmm. a reason she wears a skirt here and there's a reason it's this color. Mm-hmm. It may not be evidence to every audience member, but there's a certain amount of design choices or metaphors that are being played with that, like, when done amazingly well, you're like, oh, that shade of lipstick matches that... No, <laughs> that can't have been <laughs> chance. But even,
0: even then, there are things that, like, you might not consciously be aware of. Of course. It. Like, I... You know, when I've done a show, we had like this lighting transition. It was like mm-hmm. a subtle transition. The idea was not that... Anybody would, would sit there and go, oh, lighting transition. But it was like that; it would underscore what was happening in the scene in such a way that mm-hmm. that subconsciously it would it would occur to some it, like somebody would feel it subconsciously without going, oh, I see
4: what this symbolizes or whatever that is. Yes. Yeah, and that's oh, sometimes that's like the most fun to play with, or is like when you do things super subtly that no one would notice. I, I did a show years and years ago when I was an early, young, handsome novice designer. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Still so, uh, and uh, what it was is like uh, this girl was working in a coffee shop, and and whenever her crush would come in, mm-hmm. I I designed it ideally so no one would notice, but it just got a little bit brighter, mm. and whenever her crush would leave, it would get a little bit cooler, and it wasn't meant to be like this big thing or like mm-hmm. an important cue that everyone would notice, but I wanted it to subtly be there that like her life was just improved by this guy. Hanging out and chatting with you, and just the just shop. for
0: specificity, this was uh, Rebecca, Rebecca
4: Perry's uh, yes, redheaded coffee, coffee shop girl. Who, <laughs> was <laughs> on podcast, no, who was
0: guest number one on the podcast? No way! Just to
2: no. throw that just throw throw back. Like here. back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we are like we are really lucky to be able to work. We have designated like for this show specifically a designated lighting designer. Although you're also a stage manager, we also have a designated costume designer, Lindsay Dagger Drunken who is incredible at what she does. Um, and what's been really great about that, we also have a designated sound designer, yeah, who is Jarvis. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and what's so great about that is like, Lindsay will come in with costumes and talk about our characters and she'll make me realize something about Kayleen that I have mm. never even mm. thought of because she's reading the script through a different lens. Mm. Or like how hearing Chin talk about the lights, you realize things about characters or like through lines that I maybe haven't thought of mm. because I'm so focused on this point of view. Mm. Um, so that's definitely, and, and of course like having Chris as a director, mm. like dr- as an outside eye, but also with Chris thinking of the set as well, mm-hmm. it's been really <laughs> valuable for me as an actor, being able to have conversations with all these different people who come in with different lenses for mm-hmm. the play um, yeah.
0: Now, one of the one of the other challenges that indie companies often have is the promotion
1: of a show, <laughs> um,
0: which is which it, I mean, obviously we're, we're doing this podcast, but there's other things that that, that you're doing. So, how, do you have somebody who's does You've got all these other designated roles. Do you have somebody who's designated has yeah, so um,
1: in Leroy Street Theater, it's it's made up of um, a group of four of us: uh, Anne Van Leeuwen, uh Melissa Wright, Alice Lundy, who is our Kayleen, and, and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we all kind of take different turns doing different things at, at times. But um, Melissa Wright is is really kind of our our kind of production manager mm-hmm. um, of of Leroy Street Theater, and she'll take on a lot of those things in terms of our social media and our Instagram and um but it's it's always is a renewed challenge every time i think mm-hmm. you know um getting making sure we're postering the city and uh you know putting out specific timed instagram posts mm-hmm. and yeah Trying to get you know the reviewers in at the right times and stuff, yeah. but um, we are fortunate enough that that we've you know we've been around as a company long enough now that we've kind of established a bit of a routine mm-hmm. and we just continually work on that and build it and, and make sure that it's a practice thing. But yeah. um, yeah, the two missing people from this room, while well, there's lots yeah. of missing people from this room, <laughs> actually, the play it has a lot of um, really talented people in it. But uh, yeah, Melissa Wright and Anne Van Leeuwen, our other two producers, are kind mm-hmm. of we're, you know who are experienced producers, are taking. On a lot of that stuff for mm-hmm. us, which is fantastic because, uh, yeah, I, I think you know, you you do have to limit how many hats you wear. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a play. yeah, yeah. And in indie theater, it's very typical that you have to wear more than one sometimes, but mm-hmm. I think you know, two might be kind of, yeah, like getting getting there. Three is almost pushing it, yeah. So. It, it, I mean, yeah.
0: doing like uh, fringe theater as I have, and, and sometimes with the company, but sometimes solo, it becomes like when you're doing a solo show, you're like. Wearing all the hats, All
4: of the hats, yeah. you know,
0: and that's and that's a, that's a lot to take on. So, Start um, losing your head,
4: It's just hats. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah, hat, totally hats. You're right. We were right.
0: <laughs> I found actually that what I had to do was like preload as much as possible mm. just to handle it. Like do a whole bunch of work before we went into rehearsal and know that like there were all of these things that I could press go on at any at any given time. Mm-hmm. And I only learned that like this year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of it was just like,
0: going. this is why I have no hair. Anyway. Just pulling yeah, it out. Pulling constantly. it out all the time. Um, one of the things you mentioned was like, make sure you have posters out in the city. And I want to, like, the question that, that, that I often have is do you have an, a, a sense of like how effective posters are for you? <laughs>
1: um, you know, I can't remember who I was talking the other day saying that one of the smartest things we could do as a company going forward is starting to ask people mm. how did you hear about us yeah I mean, yeah um, we've actually just started on this show our kind of a first official like mailing list uh, you mm. know of, of people who have bought tickets to a Leroy Street theater show in the past mm. um, but I I do find that I am surprised oftentimes with with people coming in and going like oh I just you know I, I was in a coffee shop and I saw this postcard right. on the thing or I, I think sometimes it's often uh, uh, people who walk by, I mm-hmm. think, is really useful. So the big poster in the window of the assembly, mm-hmm. and we're lucky enough that the assembly uh, theater is in Parkdale on Queen Street with, like, a storefront window. Yeah, And that actually does do pretty good. Like, the amount of times it will be hanging out on the sidewalk, you know, getting ready for a show, and somebody walks it by and goes, like, what is this? Mm. Yeah, Yeah, and I think theater can be a little intimidating at times. It's weird because all of us who go to it and are involved in the community think, well, no, we're the nicest people ever. Um, but to just walk into you know the front door of a space that doesn't always look like a theater and yeah. go like can I should I be in here <laughs> yeah. like when is, is the show okay? how much our ticket yeah. Yeah. yeah and so we we definitely try to be as welcoming as possible mm. as a presence and and a big part of that community too in in Parkdale there like we we are always looking for ways to connect with the people that live mm-hmm. right around us in our immediate area well I mean assembly theater is like
0: in the basement of a an apartment building, yeah. isn't it? Like there's people who live there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean it's it's interesting because you you know, talking about like trying to figure out where people come from, I've been noticing more and more lately about the effectiveness of, of advertising on Facebook, Instagram, and things like mm-hmm. that. In that if I see an ad the first time i I like I go buy it. I don't mm-hmm. even care. Yeah. If they keep showing it to me, I click on it. Yeah. And so it's, like, the importance of, like, <coughs> making sure that people see things. I think, well, how was In it years ago? Test. People would say, like, you know, it's important people see your post. They have to see your poster, like, seven times before they actually <laughs> notice it. Yeah. Or some, something yeah. like that. Yeah. It's sort of similar with online advertising that, like, we, the more we see it, the more likely we are to actually
1: yeah. Yeah. It. We've actually been really lucky with um, our poster designer mm-hmm. is, um, what, what's her name, Alice? Uh, it's
2: Kathleen O'Denton.
1: Kathleen Odette, mm-hmm. she's actually, um, she's a graphic designer, but a book cover designer by trade. Mm, nice. And so uh, in talking with her about the poster, one of the things that is at the forefront of her, of her mind when she's designing is what pops off the shelf when you're a book in a sea of books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if somebody yeah. walks into a bookstore and there's thousands of books around you and so when we got our first copy of the poster, I was like, whoa, like almost a little shocked. I was like, maybe we tone it back. And then she kind of told me her thought process and idea. Mm. And of course, you know, you have to let the professional do their work yeah, and yeah. trust in, yeah. in their motivations behind it. Um, and so we have this like really great poster, this kind of bright orange thing that kind of leaps off the page to you, whether it's, you know, the physical postcard or the yeah. poster or, or online. Um, so we'll see how that works. It's but, interesting um, because
0: when you, when you mention
1: that, I've,
0: I'm thinking of books that I've Mm-hmm. purchase on the basis of their cover and i've yeah. taken i've taken a chance on a book and it hasn't always worked out <laughs> yeah. but it's like it
1: works so yeah. that's
0: that's that's really great
1: yeah and whether we even think about that or not it is mm-hmm. it's always happening to us yeah, so yeah. like you said it's like it might not be that you you, know, you probably don't acknowledge that you've seen this on facebook seven times and now on the seventh i'm going to click on it it just enters your your con your subconsciousness and after a while you're like why is this always? I gotta find out more about. this. I actually stuff.
0: think that you don't see it the first time. Maybe yeah. Because we're so used to ads, we don't even we don't even really notice it the first time we scroll past, and maybe not the second
2: time,
3: yeah. and then
0: something in the back of our head starts to notice it, and then eventually you you click on it, which is like a weird psychological yeah. thing.
2: That I, I think I need to. I think that, and I don't know if we've like definitely solved it with this show in any way, but. Something that I think is really challenging for indie theater is because your resources are limited, and mm-hmm. a lot of the time, the the people doing these postering and all these things and social media are also doing different jobs in the mm-hmm. show, um, and also have part time, full time jobs they are doing to su- financially support themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, a big challenge of indie theater is not is always how do we get the people who. Uh, come to our shows regularly to Mm -hmm. come out but also how do we expand our audience with each show we do and that's really Mm -hmm. challenging and that's uh, one of the ways that we've tried to do that with this show specifically is working with Loft Mm -hmm. so working with a community organization outside of theater with people who don't necessarily come to theater where theater might be really intimidating Mm -hmm. to them Um, and so With Loft, we've been running, which has been really great. We've been running um, introductory theater workshops Mm -hmm. with them Mm -hmm. every week. And then during the run of our show, um, some of the clients at Loft are going to be showing their artwork in our lobby. So hopefully, hopefully a couple of new people will come to see the theater, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like thinking about how do not do we just reach out to the people who have come, but... How do you expand your audience? Um,
4: the eternal indie theater question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or how can you make a uh, theater accessible to people who may not have access to it or be aware of it, like you said.
0: It's funny because theater is like one of the only forms of entertainment where you will hear somebody say, I saw a play once, I didn't like it. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, I don't like theater. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at somebody and be like, but... They're all you, so like, different. You yeah. have, have gone to shitty movies and then you still go and to you movies. Still see you still, movies. You know, you've watched shitty TV, you still like all mm-hmm. of this stuff. Like why is theater this thing that you that you you saw one bad play and now you don't go you won't go to theater anymore?
1: It's this weird yeah. thing.
0: And also people have this perception, theater, I can't afford that. Yeah. You know?
1: Which is a strange thing. Yeah, it's, it's something that we struggle with in terms of, of ticket prices um, and trying to find, you know, we do the pay-what-you-can nights, yeah. but we're also trying to find ways to, you know, give discounts or the art workers' tickets and, sure. and, uh, and, how ch- and really, like, uh, honestly, we've had discussions of what's the lowest we can set our ticket prices while we still know that hopefully we can pay for this play. Like, yeah. our goal is, is to really try to get as many people to see this piece that we're hoping is going to be this wonderful, magical, yeah. you know, play. And in the end, the more people that are in the theater, the happier we are. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not about you know the more money we can suck out of no. people in terms of ticket price.
0: But ticket yeah. price is a funny thing because you can price yourself too low that people are yeah. like, well, if they're pricing
2: the ticket that low, it's not. Worth it. not worth yeah. the, it. Like, yeah. there's you you know? no value. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's a weird yeah. thing where like you know free tickets, people don't have no meaning. Yes. just like it's a weird thing. Um. Uh, so Alice, you the so the two like people can't see this, but on the on I have like. Two on one side and two on one side. So over here we have people who are um, uh, uh, members of the company. You've been working mm-hmm. with the company for a long time. And over on my right we have two people who uh, uh, have you guys worked with with Leroy Street before? Like how have you guys? How did you come to this show?
3: Um, go ahead. I uh, I saw an audition notice <laughs> 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 and. Um, I went over to Alice's father's house, mm-hmm. where the aud- auditions were. Uh, not knowing what to expect, just kind of got a little blurb about what the play was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've I, I just moved here, um, so well, it's been about seven months now. So mm-hmm. still kind of looking around, and um, I was very, very. I'm, 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 I'm here for the ride, and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, well, I like to think that it's a, it's a fun way for not only for me to expand, but also vice versa, especially to talking about, you know, going into different markets mm-hmm. and whatnot and different, you know, just social circles. That's that's kind of what I find my yeah. utility in as well, not just yeah. active, but you're, you're able to, like spread it to your own, to your own peers and uh, well really like I, I've, I th- I'd like to think they've become part of the family <laughs> <laughs> um, when you that when you <coughs> audition what do did, what did you know about, about the show Nothing?
2: <laughs> the two sentences we wrote
3: Yeah, two sentences Hey, here's two people with faces So he that still
1: got nice. cast even though he broke the rule of uh, please familiarize yourself with the play <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at least in terms of reading a synopsis uh-huh, available yeah. online um, The additions were interesting because um, Alice was already a yeah. cast Kayleen, so we had fifty percent of our cast sure, yeah. going into our auditions and we did two really full days of auditions, um, Alice and I together. Um and you know, it was it was a, a tough call, but ultimately um Anoreg was cast in the role uh because of the, the connection. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that was such a privilege to be able to see everybody reading with Alice right off the bat because you know, you're looking for a talented actor, which we got in entering, but you're also looking for a connection in a two-hander. Yeah. These two people are sharing the stage through the whole play, so they each are taking on 50% of the weight of this, um, and so that was great. Um, yeah.
0: It's super important. Like, if you don't have that, mm-hmm. you can't come back from that. Like, if there isn't enough, like, if there is no chemistry, the the best lighting, the best direction, the best yeah. sets, the best costumes, that
4: can't... Replicate that yeah. missing yeah. element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Well, good
2: thing you found the right. Yeah, exactly. I think it's pretty. I mean, Anna yeah. and I always talk about how it's crazy with how we've only known each other for two months. mm-hmm Yeah, because now we know too much. Now, we
4: know too much. <laughs> yeah,
2: things you cannot unlearn. When, yeah. always like. You always learn
0: so much about your fellow actors when you're working on a show together. <laughs> it's it's right. like. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when we go into a show, we should all sign, like, NDAs with our... Yeah. <laughs> you keep you're gonna learn secrets. About me. You take these and to the maybe other people shouldn't know,
3: <laughs> yeah. you know.
2: But I think that's something that's really special about theater oh, oh, and that's sure. super unique about the, the industry is that you, like, uh, this play, but a lot of plays, you're super vulnerable yeah. around people. And um, I don't... I mean, you can speak about... Being, I guess, someone who's never worked with us before and coming into the room and, and dealing with that vulnerability. Mm-hmm, yeah. but
3: Definitely at first quite nervous, as happens, you know. Uh, here are a group of people who all know e- e- each other very well, and I'm an outsider. Um, and then you kind of... The fact that like obviously you're able to be vulnerable, but then you're able to share that vulnerability with everyone else in the room, mm-hmm. and then the final like cap off of that is that you're able to laugh about it, yeah, yeah you're able yeah. to have a good time about it, and like no matter how you know how you grave the 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 topics are that you're kind of going into, mm-hmm. it's like all right, we're discussing this in this space, it's going to stay in this mm-hmm. space, and then afterwards we're going to. Where we're all going to be friends again. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah. all going to love each other, mm. and that really is a, um, you know, brings a tear to your eye. It is one of
0: those 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 great things about a theater company, in that whenever we come together on a show, we form a little family, mm-hmm. a little temporary family.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's always sad when that family has to go in separate ways, but there's always a little bit of that left, mm-hmm. yeah. um, even if you. Like, there are people I worked with like ten years ago. We run into each other on the street. It's like run into like my brother or something, yeah. mm-hmm. which is one of the great things about theater that I don't think you get anywhere else. No,
2: but you don't get it with every show no. too. No, and I think that's always part of the risk. Is even if you know all the people you're going to work mm-hmm. with, like mm-hmm. the certain mixture of people, the show, mm-hmm. the time of year, all those things play into this. Like, it's really part of the magic of theater is mm-hmm. that you can't peg down or predict. If this group of people is going to have the right chemistry yes. to survive two months of intensively working together, yeah. three, three, four months of that—I mean, that
0: is that's that is the risk. Because what if you guys hate each other? Yeah, like, <laughs> and
2: it was, it came close. <laughs> I uh, we had like a particularly difficult rehearsal, mm. and we, Anne, Reg and I were walking to Queen Street and. and and you said to me, you were like, this play would be really hard if I hated you. Oh. <laughs> if I didn't like you, this play would be really hard to do. And I think that's true. Yeah. So we are, we're definitely lucky. Yeah. I
4: also think it's uh, a testament to us as professionals that we're able to create a safe space where we can have Intelligent discussions or we can disagree with each other adamantly, Mm -hmm. but we can hear each other's rationales where Chris can lead us through the direction He's trying to take an actor can be like well I think this choice is the right one and we can discuss it and even though it can become a heated discussion We can all leave as professionals be like okay. Mm -hmm. We've now arrived at this conclusion. Let's try it out. let's play let's work Um, and it doesn't feel like anyone is being attacked or or Shamed, shamed mm. for their choices, or wanting to try things, or bring new thoughts or ideas into the space, and mm. I think that's on us all being really good at what we do and being accepting, and being like, no, we want to make this the best possible story possible. Let's do that. Mm.
3: Nice. And for Chris and providing that environment. As yes, a director mm. and like facilitating that. as yeah. who have not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not no. Allowed for any congestion and
2: chris has and also Uh, chin for also making sure that like because we we did work through a lot of there's some um physically intimate moments in the show Mm -hmm. um so i think chin really took the reins on making sure that consent was Mm -hmm. something that happened and we Mm -hmm. always felt Mm -hmm. safe and that we always had an out Mm -hmm. um and that consent wasn't given so
1: yeah yes well in in terms of working with the company before and we talked about Anoreg uh, being new and new to Toronto uh, Chin we have worked with before in the past mm, and so yes. there was a bit of a, a courting period in us really wanting to make sure he could be a part of this team because yes, we yeah. knew that he would help create that environment <laughs> and uh, so you know lighting designer was the first thing we wanted him for mm-hmm. but then we had to really kind of stretch and ask him to put on the second hat uh, to be our stage manager and we're lucky that we secured him for, for both those roles yeah. <yes>. Is
0: there something... So you guys... I mean... This is for... For all you guys... This is like... This show's been performed before... But not by you. So... What are you most looking forward to... About having an audience see this show?
3: Ooh, looking the slugs off. <laughs> <laughs> I, well... Alex has said that there have been several folks, you know, uh, within the community who've, who've, you know, read either read the play mm. or, or have seen the show and are actually quite excited mm. for yeah. our for our retelling mm. of it. And, um, but I
2: think no one who's working on the show right now had ever read it before we oh, started yeah. to wow. do this show. Yeah. But I think as, like, performers, maybe what I'm excited about is the, the dissonance. I think experiencing that... Um, Like, going into a scene, being fully in character, coming off of our mini-stage that Chris has created for ourselves, and then switching out our costumes, Mm. the audience seeing the really practical things. Mm. And I think that's a lot for you, too, with your makeup. Yeah. Yeah, I have
3: to do all my makeup on stage. Okay, wow. Yeah, so Mm. I'm
2: excited to experience... I'm nervous, but also excited to be, like, to see what they think of it. Nice. Of suddenly we're in a scene and then we're not, mm-hmm. and and that's part of a world that of theater that they don't really. Get to see. When
1: I, th- I think in terms of theater, we often like to think about how we can not have to compete with, you know, going to the movies or watching TV. And so something that theater has intrinsically is both being live, but Mm -hmm. also the ability to break that fourth wall. And so this play did make us quite excited because it is something that highlights these scene transitions. And so I've challenged the actors and something we're going to take this a step further is they're never going to leave the stage. Mm -hmm. So from the moment that the audience starts taking their seats, they're going to see our actors in their street clothes, Mm -hmm. getting changed into their costumes Mm -hmm. and doing the work that normally would happen in the green room. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to see our stage manager come down and give them their five minute, you know, curtain call Mm. Um, and even you know all the way to the end of the play they are just exposed and on stage and Mm. and so people are going to come and really get a kind of a look into like they're going to get this entertaining great show but also a look into like what happens you know behind Mm. behind the scenes the backstage Mm.
4: elements the the tricks yeah and
1: i think Mm. that's something that that theater offers that you can't really get anywhere else and that's Mm. one of the reasons why we're excited to to produce this play
4: nice nice Thanks a lot, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> like Thanks,
0: so. Thanks for having Thank us. You. Thank, you. Thank you. This has been a Homebody Productions production.